Longhorns Unfiltered coming to you live from the Cotton Bowl. Uh, unfortunately, Texas fans, uh, not a lot to celebrate today if you are rooting for the Burnt Orange. 53 to 45 loss to Oklahoma. Took four overtimes to decide. Um, Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman, joined by Brian Davis. Kurt Bowles, Cedric Golden will be up here in a minute once he finishes his column. Uh, let's just get instant reactions. Brian Kirk, what you see? Took a little longer than we were expecting, but the Sooners uh, still won. Took a little longer than we thought, but it is exactly what I predicted in the paper today. I mean, I, I picked OU to win, and the reason why I did was because Oklahoma, the five-time champs, they get the benefit of the doubt, right? And what, what we saw today was the result of a program that they didn't play great. They, In fact, they played very average at times, but say what you want, they found a way to get it done. And that's what championship programs do, Kirk. I mean, they find a way to get it done. And Texas, a program that has been nothing but mediocre in this decade, they do what they do. They found a way to lose. And it seems like they're waiting till fourth quarter overtimes to play their best football like we got all the time in the world. It's like, you know, where's the focus? Where's the intensity? Where's the sense of urgency? And Lincoln Riley tried to give it back to Texas. I mean, he had that crazy pass play on third and down when all they had to do was not milk the clock. Uh, he was going to pass on the one-inch line in one of the overtimes but was bailed out when Tom called timeout. So it just, there was just all manner of ineptitude today. And quite frankly, I just I was appalled how poorly Texas played for, for three quarters and three quarters and a little bit more of this ball game. And then obviously then Sam caught fire. Appalled. Appalled. That's a, that's a, but you know that is a word that I'm sure is being used by a lot of the Texas. Fans I think that, I think that's probably an easy word based on what Texas fans are saying. Probably that's probably too. I'm nice. sorry, I sugarcoated it. And uh, let's kind of go there. I think Texas fans at this point, just based on our mentions, based on what's going on on our Facebook, they're kind of fed up with Tom Herman, kind of fed up with the state of the program. We mentioned some of the um, questionable decisions by Lincoln. Um, Tom had a few himself um, throughout this day. Kirk, I know you kind of touched on this in your column. What is Tom Herman's future at this point? I know we're only four games in this season. He right. still has a lot of money left on his contract, and maybe it's a little bit too soon to be, you know, hiring a new coach. But is Tom Herman the guy at this point? He doesn't look like it. And I wrote that this could signal the beginning of the end for Tom Herman because the expectations were through the roof for this season. I mean, they had everything working for him. I mean, Oklahoma was a flawed team. They lost two straight conference games, and they were playing with a, a freshman, a redshirt freshman quarterback, where Tom had the most senior quarterback in the league. And it's like he's wasting Sam Ellinger's career. So I think it's a very uh, fractured – well, I don't even know if it's a fractured fan base anymore. They may be united in the notion that Tom needs to leave. When you look at the end of the – 2018 season, the high of beating Jordan in the Sugar Bowl, and since then they're ten and seven, and they're losing. ten and seven. Well, they're eight and five last year, and they're two and two. And if ten and seven doesn't scream average, I don't know what does. So just, just the fact you just well, obviously I obviously I didn't process that, but yes, you're yeah, ten and seven is, is as average as it gets. I mean, who says journalists can't do math? Can't do math. <laughs> I know even in pandemic 2020, I can't I can't do math as fast as Kurt. The thing, the thing about it is, is that, and I, and I think what fans are rightfully upset about, it is the, it's the, I mean, you, you hate to just be this blunt, but it's the week in, week out ineptitude 
of, of the whole thing. Right. It's, it's the mistakes that you see at Texas Tech, and then the mistakes you see at TCU, and now it's the mistakes at Oklahoma, right? And, and the, they never beat anybody bad unless it's a Utah. Right. It's and, just, and, you know, and, and under Herman, Texas doesn't blow out anybody. Right. Right. I think that's what you mean by yeah. beating anybody. But, yeah, they, they, yeah Herman, Herman's program doesn't blow out people. It just, right. it just doesn't. And so – and this isn't a great Oklahoma team we saw today. This Oklahoma team is, is as average as it gets, right? And the fact is that, you know, here's the, here's the real problem I see, guys. And Cedric has now joined us here. Here's the problem that I have, okay? This 2021 recruiting class is not going that great, right? It's, it's just not. And you're going to have parents and high school coaches ask themselves a very serious question. If this guy cannot win – if he cannot beat a two-loss Oklahoma team with a senior quarterback, it may never happen here. And I just wonder, is Tom have a failure to connect with his players that he can't get them to play with more discipline, Sam? I don't know, but I'm tired of hearing about Sundays. <laughs> no, I'm tired of hearing about Sunday practice is going great. And um, if, if Mike McCarthy or the fired Bill O'Brien or Mike Tomlin brags about what went down on Sunday. That means something, because that means they played well. I'm, I'm ready for him to say it went well on Saturday, because Saturdays matter in this business. It's a results-oriented business. Will Muschamp, when he was the, the defensive coordinator here, always said, uh, if you know, guys are practicing great, but I don't really care about that. When you you got to put on those, silk, those white silks, then we figure out if you're good or not. You are who you are because of what you do on Saturday, not what you did before Saturday. I'm sad. You just got done wrapping up your column on uh, number 11. Um, on paper, he had a pretty good game. Over 100 yards rushing, career high four touchdown runs, led him on a you know ferocious rally in the fourth quarter again. But there's always kind of a but. It took this offense a long time to get going. He did not look good at times. Missed some receivers. Um, overall thoughts on Sam and what this loss does to his legacy because he's now one and four against Oklahoma. He hasn't he hasn't played well in the first halves of games against real opponents. I don't count UTEP. I mean, me me us four and seven guys from Walla Walla can give UTEP a game. I think um, those numbers are empty because us, we know what Sam can do. He's shown us over his career. But through three quarters, he was 15 of 27 for 145 yards and no touchdowns and 13 yards rushing. So uh, if Lincoln Riley decides to run the football when Texas has no timeouts left with um, about two minutes to go, um, Sam, I mean, it's going to be like one minute to go for Sam Ellinger to drive almost the length of the, of the field. And these, these numbers might not even happen. Then what are our conversations like? Sam didn't play well today. When it, uh, He played well um, in glamour overtime time, but when it mattered early in the game, uh, they, were, they were stuck in park, and he had a lot to do with that. You know, one of the things that I keep, I keep coming back to is when we, when we hear the players do the interviews, they, they openly admit it's, it's, not the talent. it's not talent. We have plenty of talent. They're always – Texas has – Texas said that under Charlie. You know, it's not a talent issue. We've got the talent. And that's a damning thing. Oh, my God. It's extremely damning. Charlie had eight guys play 
from his first team they played in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, just just a couple weeks ago, I wrote about all the players that were that played under Tom Herman that are now in the NFL. It's kind of staggering if you really think about it. Right. Right. So so clearly they clearly it's not a talent issue. It's an execution issue. There's and no, it's a coaching issue. Has to be coached because so execution execution comes with with doing it over and over and again and and making it muscle memory. And that comes down to coaches drilling it into you. You can't tell me that they've had perfect practices and come out here and play like this. Only on, unless, only on Sundays. Unless they're a bunch of chokers. I mean, and that, I don't know. We'll see. Well, yeah. and, and, and I, speaking of that, let's, I want to focus on one area real quick, and that's the, and that's the punting, okay? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the punting for a second. All right. This is something that should not be an issue, okay? It really shouldn't. Uh, Bushevsky – um, okay, he's not he's not his cousin Michael Dixon, but he has a solid leg. He's a solid college college punter. Okay, how all of a sudden has this thing gone to hell this this past season? And Tom and for Tom to go, oh, you know, we've done the same punt protection we've done for years here, right? Well, they they uh, they blew up on him on Tech, it blew up on him again today, and Bushevsky, he's literally rolling to his right and literally running straight into the blockers. And he took two extra steps today. Yeah, and the block, the block punt, I think, is on Ryan. I mean, yeah, kind I of punt they yeah, had and ran right into the guy. But sometimes you're rugby, and when you don't need to rugby, yeah. down on your goal line, don't rugby. Michael Dixon, who knows a thing or two about punting, straight up went on Twitter and called <laughs> Jay Bowler trash. He <laughs> wow. literally said that about. And granted, he's a little biased. That's his cousin. Right. That's his dude. You gotta defend. You gotta defend family, but. For an ex-player to come out and call one of your assistant coaches trash says something about your coaching. Right. And that is something – it doesn't matter if it's been working for six years. It's not working now. And this is two weeks in the – Tom hates talking about punting. He won't even call the punter by his name. But this is two times in the last few weeks we've been talking about punting because mm-hmm. of some complete breakdown that's happened. So I don't know if this is Jay Bowers' complete fault. I don't know if Ryan needs to you know get some st- – I don't know if Tom just needs to actually start caring about his punt team and start calling these mm-hmm. people by their names. But – this is on coaching, probably a little bit on the players, and this is a problem. And it shouldn't be. Maybe we just got spoiled by a punter who was named the MVP of a bowl game. But it's – He was pretty good. He was, <laughs> he was very good. Well, here's a question. Uh, is, is it Jake Bowler's fault that, that Ryan Bushevsky got a personal foul for trash talking after the 40-yard punt return? Is that no. Jay Bowler's fault? It, it's not his fault, but it is, it's his fault that they gave up a 40-yard punt return. Yeah, yeah, but that 15 can – they, they, they can't be giving away 15. Well, and that speaks to the lack of discipline. The Derek Kerstetter personal foul at the end of Sam's run to the one was crippling. They ended up having to settle for a field goal. I thought they should have uh, let Cameron Dicker try the 52-yard field goal. He's got two 50-yard-plus field goals. Uh, should they have gone for two uh, I, well, after I, they scored first? I told you they should, and uh, even at, at regulation. And my theory on this is that at some point, if you're going to win this game, you got to make a play. And if you make a play after either of those – that first touchdown to send them into overtime, oh, you doesn't get a chance. You know, oh, you – your other opponent is going to always have a chance to respond unless it's the end of the game. And that's why I would have gone for two. He had all the momentum. OU was really 20, – 20 enough – 20 unanswered points at that time. And I would trust Sam to get that done somehow. Brian, what, what did you think of Tom's decisions – not only at the end of regulation, but the end of that, I guess, was first overtime to not go for two, or I guess it was second overtime to kick for the tie instead of going for two in the win. I was a little surprised at that, only because uh, two things. Number one is 
is that at some point you have to make a play to win the game. You have to make a play to win the game. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to look out on the field and see, look, my team is done. My team is spent. Right. And, you know, if you, if you go for two there and you don't get it and you lose, it's very understandable to come back to the post game and say and explain everything that we that we just said. You know, hey, my team was spent, was gas, we rolled the dice, it didn't work out, right? Okay. Um, and if you if you go for two and you get it, then holy smokes, now you're now you're the, the guy who rolled the dice and won, right? So there, so I understand uh, why you would go for it and why you wouldn't. Um, personally, I, I didn't have the world's biggest problem with kicking it there, although. I would be, I would be, I, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with him kicking it, but I would absolutely be on board with going for two. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it kicking it. I just think, like you just said, your team's exhausted. It's fought so hard to get back into this game. And that whole drive, I'm thinking the people upstairs in the booth thinking, okay, you remember, they work on two-point plays during the week. Okay, we need to be thinking if we score, do we want to just roll the dice and do it now? Because it was 14 seconds left. So, I don't necessarily second guess him and saying, "Oh, you're wrong," but I thought that was a great opportunity they missed. Um, before we get out of here, like you mentioned, Sam had really good numbers on the ground. We're high in rushing yards, his third 100 yard performance, four rushing touchdowns. The rest of the rush, running attack, no, oh, that was brutal. brutal. It was um, brutal. I think it was 89 yards uh, through three quarters, or until those last two drives. Sam Engineer, they did nothing. I think the three running backs totaled 33 yards on 11 carries. John Robinson, five carries, 17 yards. Keontae Ingram, three for 15. Although he did have that um, you know, nice catch in the end of the game, but he also had a huge fumble in the first quarter. He did. Roshan Johnson, three for negative three, left with a shoulder injury. We heard so much about how good this rushing attack was going to be. You know, Stan Drayton, a lot of people think the world of him. Mm -hmm. How much is Texas in trouble? A school that has four dope. Walker Award winners in its trophy case, a school that is the home of Earl Campbell, Ricky Williams. Why can't they establish anything on the ground, and how much is this team in trouble if they can't figure that out? Well, I thought that was embarrassing. I mean, Iowa State ran all over them. Brees Hall had a career day against Oklahoma the week before. So I think fundamentally this may come down to the line of scrimmage, and this could be Tom's biggest problem, is that their offensive line hadn't been great. They get pushed around. Sam was sacked six times today, and TCU got to him, I don't know, four or five, something last week. You know, OU sacked him nine times uh, on this field last year. And like you just said, the stats, they aren't running the ball. And they only got to Spencer Rattler one time. He dropped back 36 times. You sacked him once. And it wasn't like they were hanging – all over him and making him run for his life. And Oklahoma had over 200 yards rushing. Football is a physical collision sport. You control the line of scrimmage. You do that on both sides, you got a good chance to win. And, and even in this Big 12 passing heavy era that we are living in, the teams that can run the football are still winning games. There's a reason Iowa State won at OU. Brees Hall was a man. And, and if Texas is putting so much on Sam and Keontae and Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson and that offensive line aren't getting them enough chunk yards in the run game, it's going to be a long season. Yeah, it does. So, all right, speaking of long season, we get a little bit of a break. Texas is on a bye next week and Baylor on the 24th at home. 
is there a chance Texas can turn this around? You know, win, I guess it'd be five, five in a, or six in a row to close, or five in a row to close this thing out and maybe salvage some of the season. Or are we are we on to twenty twenty one? Well, I mean, they're going to lose again. I mean, they, they just are. I mean, I, I think Iowa State's probably going to get them. Uh, K State and Manhattan is not going to be easy by any stretch. Oklahoma State and Stillwater. Yeah, uh, I forgot, yeah, I forgot about <laughs> Oklahoma State. And the reason why I say that is because, uh, again, it's benefit of the doubt. This program has lost all benefit of the doubt. And what they have shown in three conference games are things that are not going to be fixed overnight or, or in one by week. Yeah, they look like a six and four team to me, unfortunately. And uh, but I hear the cheese at bowl is really nice. They have good snacks and a uh, nice press box. So always talking about food. I am, and I love that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I agree with you. They feel like six and four, and um, I think Tom's on the hot seat moving forward because the one thing that he's going to have to ask himself in January is. Where do I go from here? Sam Ellinger is no longer my quarterback. Yeah, Tom is on the hot seat. I think we're on the seats of our cars as we start to drive home. Um, I think it's time for us to get out of here. Texas is a 53-45 loser, four, four overtimes at the Cotton Bowl. Longest uh, game in school history, I believe. But unfortunately, it goes down as no for the Longhorns. Um, but that's going to do it for us. Danny Davis, Cedric Gold, and Kirk Bowles, Ryan Davis. We will see you guys, I guess, in two weeks.